There you go. I'm, you are watching and listening to a very special edition of Open Bar. I'm Mike Morales here in Southern California. I've got a special guest. That lady out there is? Heidi Anderson, also La Tequila Mamacita on social media, and I am in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Wow, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, the reason we have uh, uh, Heidi on is because we, we actually, you and I have this Weird two-year relationship, I think. It's we go the, way back, even more than two years. Is, is it longer than two years? Like 2017. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the, the thing is, um, uh, we're on all the social media. And and I this young lady reaches out to me on LinkedIn and lets me know about a particular brand, uh, which I, I won't bring up. Because it's one of our, it's one of our favorites. Actually, the the person who makes this brand is a, a Meli Barajas, mm -hmm. and and we wrote about her. We we actually interviewed her long before she got you know all that press in the New York Times and all that, and um, and I wasn't aware of this new brand from this young lady who was repping it at the time in Tennessee. She says, "Have you?" I don't know how that, how did that come about? I mean, you, how did you find out about us is what I want You know, I, Mike, I really, I think it was on LinkedIn. I just saw you and I saw Tequila Aficionado. And then I started kind of looking at like, who is this Mike Morales? And I was watching all of the YouTube um, reviews and interviews that you were doing. And so I just thought, just because I didn't know any better, I was new in the industry, so I had no fear. I was just reaching out to everyone and I reached out to you and I said, hey, I'm with this brand. Um, how can we get you to review it? And you responded back to me and that's how it all started. You told me what I needed to do. And then I talked to the owners of the brand and that's how that happened. Yeah, they've been they've been really great uh, uh, advertisers. And they, of course, the, the juice was spectacular. I, I right. you know, it, it's Meli Barajas. If you're not familiar with Meli, She's res she's uh, responsible for having one of the probably the only uh, female run and female owned distilleries. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are other other women who own their distilleries as well, but very few. There's like a handful. But yeah. she she's really at the forefront uh, of that and an amazing uh, lady. You know, uh, in fact, if you're not familiar with her, we have her in, in our Babes to Boss Ladies book. Uh, <laughs> Where you were actually one of the first people to to, to purchase the, the book and read it. That oh, was yeah. Surprised. Yeah, I was so excited about that. And like Melly, she's one of my heroes. And I, I I'll talk about it a little bit later. But I did get the opportunity to meet her via Skype. And um, oh, I just you know when when I started researching who made the brand that I worked for and reading about her and just doing my own research, I was just amazed you know, at what she had done and what she had accomplished and how long ago she had started and the obstacles. So I was just very um, attracted like to her persistence and her um, tenacity and just like willing to not take no for an answer and go for it anyway. So I love her, she's great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she, we were made known about her even a few years back prior to that, what had happened was that we had another lady who was repping a, a brand and said, uh, and we, I've been after her for a, a long time to get samples from her. And, she, and then and she said, well, you know who you should also interview is Melly Barajas. And I said, "You, Melly makes your, makes your brand? And that's when I found out about her. 
Mm-hmm. And and then it's like so I checked the gnome list and saw you know there's only a handful of, of tequilas coming out of there and each one of those is just stellar. So mm-hmm. um, you know when you reached out to us, I was excited. It's like send it along, get let's do it. And and it's been a it's been a nice little uh, you know kind of a kind of a. a I don't know, under the radar relationship between you and me. So, yeah. <laughs> so now, um, you, you know, I've, I've watched you progress in this, in this tequila career of yours, but that's not, that's not exactly where you come from. Cause you said you were new in the industry. What, what were you doing prior to, to repping a brand? I mean, you were doing tastings and you know, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tough road to haul, you know, cause it's like, one liquor store after another. I mean, yes. literally, it's one sip at a time. You pass the lips one person at a time. So yes. what were you doing prior to that? Well, um, prior to that, I was a professional singer. I would sing, and I played in a band, and we opened for people. I sang the national anthem at baseball games, um, NASCAR. I did all that kind of stuff. I wanted to be a singer and a writer. And I also um, have always been a self-employed hairstylist. So I've always owned my own business. So I moved to Nashville in 2005 to pursue singing and songwriting. That's what brought me here from Napa, California, where my family is. Oh, you're from, you're from here. You're from California. I'm from that's, California. That's right. Yeah. Huh? So, Central California. Did you, mm-hmm. do you have like a, so, so do you have, you say you're from Napa. Yes. Uh, do you have a wine background then? A little bit. I mean, when you grow up around it, you kind of take it for granted. And it's not a very, it's just a very casual thing, wine. It's not like when you come here and people think, oh, Napa Valley or oh, Temecula, you know, California. It's just like when you're around it, you're around it. Kind of like the people here are used to all the the music and the celebrities. It's it's no big deal. It doesn't, doesn't phase them. But I do have um, my oldest sister and her husband, they um, own um, vineyards in Yauntville that they lease out to different um, winemakers. And then they also do their own little private batch of wine. It's just for family and friends. They don't sell it. Um, So I've kind of helped with that sometimes. Everything was done by hand, very old school. I think now they've actually partnered with a larger winery that's right across the road from them that makes their wine for them. But in the beginning, it was all by hand, like crushing it with, you know, the manual crusher and bottling it ourselves. And it, um, it was really cool. You didn't so do any, did. you didn't do any of the foot stomping and stuff like that. We saw Lucy do right. Or, you know what my no. favorite scene, is, have you ever seen the movie, uh, oh. walk in the clouds? Yes. Uh, that stuff doesn't happen anymore, right? I mean, that's it's just not, you know. Not really. I mean, a lot of that was, some of that was real. Some of it was like not so much. But it's funny you bring up that episode of Lucy because I just watched the movie. I think it was called Being Ricardo. Or Being the Ricardos. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it yet. I need to watch it. And they one of the parts of the movie was when she did that scene. And it was oh, really cool. <laughs> it was hysterical. There's another one uh, that was still a favorite. <laughs> You'll see it in memes where she's she's eating that she's boxing the chocolates and the, oh, yeah. the conveyor belts too fast, so she yeah. winds up eating all of it. I love that. Uh, it's so great. But yeah, so Northern California, I came here, um, kind of pursued songwriting for a bit, and then after about a year, I realized that maybe my heart wasn't in it as much as a lot of the other people, my circle friends of friends of songwriters and. 
people really trying to, um, you know, make a living of it and be being willing to sacrifice whatever it took to do music. Like they didn't care if, you know, they might not have food to eat the next day or where they lived or if they had to live with other people as where I was at a stage in my life where I wanted stability. I wanted a house. We had a mortgage and I had to work, you know, so by the time, and then I lived like 35 minutes South of Nashville, which is every, where everything's happening. Wow. People are getting together to write. So by the time I got home, I was just like burnt out or at the end of a long day of doing hair, all I wanted to do was like go home to my farm and just chill, you know? <laughs> so, um, after that, I just kind of kept, you know, I would sing, I would do de demos, I would um, maybe do live performances at writers' rounds um, or, you know, sing for other writers who would say, hey, can you come do this writers' round with me for this song that you did the vocal on in the studio? And I'd say, sure. So I did that. But really, I haven't been doing that for a long, long time. Mostly what I've been doing is hair. But in 2017, I decided to take a break from hair, like I just needed a break. So I was just looking for something to do. I didn't give it up totally. I still kept a handful of clients, but I just stumbled across this opportunity to be a sales rep for a tequila brand that was headquartered out of Nashville. And that intrigued me because I thought, wait, tequila's made in Mexico. So the I found out about it, like, no, they weren't saying it was made in Tennessee. It's made in Mexico, but headquartered here. And I had never really done sales, like where I go somewhere and try to sell something. But I tasted the tequilas. I met with the owners. I tasted the tequilas and was just so impressed. Not that I had a lot of experience with the tequila at the time, but I knew what tasted good and what didn't taste good. So I was like, yeah, what do I have to do? And literally the first day, my boss said, I want you to take this box. I didn't even have a bag like the reps, you know, use the bag. Yeah, I had yeah. a cardboard box. And he goes, and I want you to go to this place. It's this big Mexican tequila, very trendy place in Nashville. And I want you to sit down at the bar and just start talking to the bartenders and ask them if they like tequila and ask them if they want to try this. And I was like, okay. So he goes, go around two o'clock because the crowd will be, you know, there'll be more places to park. So I went, I sat down, it was packed. There was no place to park. I was lucky I found <laughs> the spot. I had to walk like two blocks with the box of- Oh my God. Yeah. And so I get there, I sit down, there's one seat at the bar and I start talking to them. And the next thing I know it's a party, you know, and there's the bartenders are sampling tequila, the manager's coming over and after that, I got in my car and I text, texted my boss and I go, this is so awesome. I'm in. I go, tell me where to go next. So <laughs> I was like, this is this is really great. So from that point on, I just really started learning more about tequila and the history and the different types and how it's made. And so that I knew what I was talking about when I went in and, and sold it to people. Because a lot of them had questions that had I not done that research... I wouldn't have known. So that's, that's how it all got started. Do, do you find that, that uh, uh, I, I've, I've said this for a, a long time because I, I having watched the industry, I can see where the hot, the hot beds, the little hot pockets throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. And I know that Atlanta is really, you know, hot for, for agave spirits now, not just tequila. And they have been for a while, but I, 
when Tennessee is not an area that I would consider a hotbed, but it's getting there. I mean, they've they've yes. had you. I mean, you went to that to a very popular restaurant, and mm-hmm. I know that the Carolinas are are getting there as well. I mean, it seems it seems more per, prevalent now. And yeah. and uh, but do you find that you, uh, well, you're not repping anybody anymore at this point? No. It look like no. you quite well. <laughs> Your bar in there. Well, uh, what happened, actually, it's funny that you say that. So what happened when I left that brand, I left because when I started with them, we were small. We did everything in-house. We self-distributed. So I, I worked for the brand, but I worked for the distributor too. So I would go in and make the sales and then we would actually deliver. Well, we had a delivery guy, but he would deliver the tequila. So when they decided they grew and they sold the distribution and I just... I felt like I really don't know what my position here is going to be anymore. And it wasn't really made clear. That's when I had an opportunity to go work for another small distributor that was mostly wine and they had no spirit. And by that time I had become very familiar with Meli Barajas Cardenas and her brands. And I had already been ordering Viquera online, which I don't even know if that's still being made, but um, I, Told the the, the distributor, the importer is here in Southern California. Yes. Uh, from what I understand. Well, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Uh, I, I know think... the owners. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Brothers. you do? Yes. Yeah. Their sister? Yeah. Yeah. So they were, he, the, one of the owners was the one I got a hold of to find out how I could get Viqueta because it wasn't available here. Mm-hmm. And so he sent me to the, to the website where I could order it online. So I had been ordering it. I loved it. I loved the story behind it. So I talked to my new boss about it. And I said, how do you feel about bringing on a tequila? And she goes, oh, well, what do you have in mind? So long story short, we did a tasting with all of these people that know tequila. And they loved it. And we brought it in. um, And it was very, very successful. And then about six months later, COVID happened. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then, of course, the world stopped, uh, <laughs> except for drinking online, which is what we've always done anyway. But yeah, uh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, so no more face to face for you, right? No more face to face. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go back to hair full time. I'm not going to, you know, I can't do tastings. I can't do events. Like, what am I going to do? You know. So I resigned and I just went back to doing hair. But I really miss tequila. So then I kind of threw myself into Instagram. And in in the last like couple of years have met some really amazing people that have inspired me. And so that's what I do now is I just talk about different brands that um, that I get an opportunity to sample and review and I make cocktails. And um, through that, I was doing a cocktail video one time just featuring um, some uh naturally flavored mixers and I just happened to I had the um the uh, leyenda de mexico tequilas here oh yes another another many barajas you're one of our biggest fans besides us I am I I I have them all so even this beautiful bottle so um so I just thought what tequila should I use for this drink so I happened to use the leyenda de mexico blanco and I just tagged Leyenda de Mexico and then I got a message from Melly and I was like is this a joke you know and I double checked 
<laughs> I checked it over and over just to make sure it was really them responding to me. And basically she, um, she contracted me and now I do these little cocktail videos for her once a month that feature her tequila. So I had an opportunity to meet her via Skype and talk to her. And she's just a very incredible, humble person, very kind. Yeah, I, uh, I've had a chance to speak to her on the phone a few years back, uh, but that was a three-way conversation. But she, uh, And I have to catch up with her because I, I, I know that she's been wanting me to reach out to her. And I've just, yes. you know, I've, I've not had that, that chance yet. But uh, mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe after we get off here, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll buzz her on WhatsApp or something. Um, so, so, okay. So now you're... I've watched you on your social media. You gotta, you gotta watch the, the follow her if you if you're not familiar with her and your cohorts. You are part of the. I don't know how this happened. You may have to explain this to me because I'm fascinated because I, I don't know the history of this because in the last you know between when I moved to Texas and and just trying to get tequila aficionado really to fly. By the time we looked up, you know. Uh, Instagram had been had been there's a lot of people that were you were networking together okay. so how how did you wind up that were you uh, networked together by, with, with somebody else or did they reach out to you did you reach out to them how did that work because you're part of the the techie ladies correct is yes. that uh-huh we were just all Instagram friends and would comment on each other's posts and you know try to lift each other up and share each other's posts and um, I remember seeing one of Mariel's, um, she is La Tica, Tiquelana on um, Instagram. I saw one of her posts and I thought, is this young lady, like she looks so young. She almost doesn't even look old enough to drink. She looks that young, but she is. She just has really good genes. And um, <laughs> I thought she knows what she's talking about. Like, And so I kept reposting her things and you know, putting the little arrow, follow, follow La Tiquelana. And then one day she messaged um, Marissa and I, Maria's, Marissa's with Tequila Encyclopedia, and she said, hey, um, somebody told me that I should do an Instagram Live, but I don't really want to do one by myself. Will you guys do it with me? And we were like, sure. I said, I don't think I've ever done one either. And I don't think, I don't know if Marissa had. So we set it up and we just announced that we were going to do this kind of freestyle live thing. And just really, it was just supposed to be one time. And there, there was someone else that we wanted to get involved, but there were a few others, but they just weren't available because of their schedules. And so we did the show and it was really great. We had a lot of people um, jump on the live. And then, so I messaged, I um, messaged them after the show and I said, you know, I go, this was really fun. And I said, I didn't think I would like doing lives, but I feel like we all like doing it and we all have a chemistry. What do you think about making this a regular thing and just like bringing on a guest? And so that's how it happened. And then Marissa is the one that came up. We were trying to figure out names and she came up with um, the techie ladies. So, so that's how it happened. Yeah. So now, so now you guys uh, go on like what every Tuesday? Uh, every Tuesday, six p.m. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern time. And so, what we try to do is the first, second, and third Tuesday, we'll interview either a brand owner or a master distiller or an influencer, an educator, 
And then the last Tuesday is our freestyle where we just bring on different people. But sometimes we get brand owners and master distillers that jump on the freestyles. <laughs> That's really cool because then we book them for a show after that. Ah, well, who does the booking? You? Um, we all book it. We just like, we'll all send each other messages and we have like a spreadsheet that Marissa made and it's got all the dates that were booked. I think right now we're booked through February and a little bit of March, but we could kind of see who's on what Tuesday. Um, and we just communicate and say, Hey, um, this person, you know, wants to be on the show. I'm going to book them for this date. Is it okay? And that's how we do it. Well, I, I know we'd that love to have you on the show, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I, I, I would love to be on it uh, if I can. Yes. If I know ahead of time, I can. Do, I can schedule it now because I. Yeah. Um, I know that um, uh, our managing partner Lisa Peach, uh, who has yeah. been you know with with us you know for almost like nine years now, uh, is a big fan of you guys. And, um And the other thing too is uh, there's a series of of guys who who are you guys are kind of all. Um, uh, networked with, yes. and and what happens with tequila aficionado is that there's a we, you know it's just it's just Lisa and myself and and mm -hmm. and of course our, our our tasters, but this is all we do and so we're doing just about everything and and uh, finally and we're getting to the point where I I'm walking away and just I started lurking because that's what I do now on social media it's just you get to the point where you know. I remember when Twitter was a big deal and people were saying that they were drinking the, they were they were swallowing the the worm in tequila and then you know you 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 jump and go you know there's no worm in tequila and then it would yeah. fool you. It's like you it's like you're telling them oh no Santa Claus doesn't you know isn't real you know the, there's no such thing as leprechauns. Right. And, and so after that I learned my lesson. I said you know if they don't want to be corrected then there's no sense in me even trying. I'm just going to lurk. Right. And so that, that's kind of what my habits been, but. Um, I've always, I kind of always have been the face of the of, of the of tequila aficionado. So now, yes. getting to the point where I'm doing a little bit more of these lives and and just getting to get getting a feel for for the new crop of of influencers because we've been at it for 22 years, and there are some. I, I think you know, and I've told this. I I think I, for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, you're also one of our students at, at the uh, consumer catador course, and of course yes. that's a, that's a self-paced and so you and i communicated on an email a couple of times and i may have mentioned this to you but there's a lot of charlatans in this business there's a lot of people that that you know you got to start somewhere i get that but right. but that's how that's how misinformation gets you know gets uh disseminated yes. and and so i that's why lurking works for me because i get to i get to watch and see what what everybody else's style is and yeah. and uh and I, I like you guys. I guess there's the Agata Squad is what they're called on Instagram. You might want to run the hashtag and find it, folks, if you're watching yes. this. Because um, there's some really credible people, um, yes. thoughtful, young, um, uh, even younger than millennials uh, at this point. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I start thinking about that because, you know, liquor companies know that there's a new drinking generation every 10 years. They, they already have numbers. They're marketing people. They pay for those studies. And they already know how many millions of new drinkers are coming on board. They're coming online every year. So they try to find lines at these, what attracts these, these younger drinkers, right? Right. And, 
and I and I like your dynamic with with Marissa and and Mariel because it's uh you're obviously kind of like their den mother you know and and, <laughs> and and these two are just you know back and forth and back and forth and sometimes I just watch you and you just you know but you I, I like how you pick and choose your 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 battles and then you go in and you go oh, wait a minute yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I like I like that. It's it's very similar for me when I do tastings with all my other tasters. They they all they're all different generations, and some of them. For I know for me, mm -hmm. I every time I do a tasting with these guys, I learn something new from them because I don't know everything. I've been at it for twenty two years, and I still don't know everything. Right. And when and you you fall into that pit where you think you know what you're talking about, and you don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. We didn't know about the diffuser, you know, that was going on between 2001 and 2010. We had no idea what that was. Right. You know, un until somebody confesses and then you reverse engineer and you find out that, oh, it's a great big ass shortcut. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, now, I mean, there's a lot going on that, that we don't know about. And I feel like every day I learn something new. Like when I go on Instagram and read a post or listen to one of your um, podcasts or watch a video. Like I'm always, always learning. And I mean, I don't know that I'll ever know everything, you know? And so what I, what I try to do is like, you say you lurk, like I just kind of throw information at people and hope it sticks. And I know that <laughs> some, but I mean, some people are going to listen and some people aren't, you know? And I've been corrected on social media before and I just, you know, take it as, oh, like if somebody corrects me, first the Latina in me comes out and I get offended, like, don't do that to me, like on my page, you know, private message me, don't do it in my comments. But yeah. then I go and I, I research it. And um, I was doing, I think, a, a review once on, I think it was Racia. And I think I called it agave that it was made from because I just didn't know and so somebody commented on my post like it's actually not it's called this and so I, I messaged them and I said hey I go thank you for the information but in the future just like a DM me and he was like yeah you're right I shouldn't have done that but you know what but I'm glad he told me because I didn't know I wouldn't have known because I hadn't really well, it, researched it, it, it is it is an agave but it's a different name, right? Yes. Well, yes. what happens is that the eat, agave is a generalized name, mm -hmm. but espadín is an agave. Uh, yeah. blue, you know, uh, blue Weber tequilana is a, an agave. So yeah. agave kind of encompasses all those plants. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I wrote a book on it. You know, so it's it's there. It's agave spirits around the world. It, okay, I'm gonna get that book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved doing it because it was so much research of stuff that I didn't even know was going on. Right. I mean, right now, the industry, you and I share a, a, a concern for the industry. Um, there's, there's, there's a couple of big concerns. We, we've talked, uh, we, we've not messaged each other, but, but there's certain things that I worry about that I know you guys worry about as well. Mm -hmm. And one of those is the over the overproduction of tequila, yes. you know everybody. Everybody amazes at these these marketing numbers. You know there was so many liters of tequila produced last year. You can get all those numbers on the CRT. They're all there. They don't hide mm -hmm. anything. They break it down, even by month. You know month to month to month, 
how much they are making and exporting, okay? Mm-hmm. If you know where to look and you know how to find it, it's there. I, I, in fact, that's part of what I, ta- I, I teach in the, in the Consumer Catalog course. You can actually do it yourself. You don't have to even speak Spanish. But regardless, those numbers, you know, everybody takes these numbers like a big feather in the cap. Oh, wow, yay team, you know? And, and guy, people like you and me and, and the techie ladies and all the, the, the new crop of influencers are going, uh, that's not something to be proud of because, yeah. you know, generally yeah. speaking, an agave, a blue agave takes five, seven, eight years to grow properly. Mm-hmm. Are they letting them grow like that anymore? No. No. Only a handful of them are even letting the quiotes sprout mm-hmm. so they can see bats, right? And birds right. and bees, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The bat-friendly program. Right. And we need to see more of that because um, my fear, and I, and I express that in the, in the Agave Spirits Around the World book, is that it's the, the, the industry is going to eat itself. It's going to implode. And many of the older dogs who have been around for a while, who, who had their own brands and still do, and um, I've, they're, they're more my contemporaries, they, they all share the, the same concern that they're, they're, there's only going to be a handful of, of really great... T- I mean, how many times can we talk about Ocho? Yeah. How many times can we talk about Tapatio and Meli? You know, but what about there are a lot of other brands out there and some mm-hmm. of them are and some of them are not. And I'm I'm afraid that they're going to implode. They're going to eat itself because the liquor industry eats itself anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always has. But the I think the larger concern we have to watch now is Australia. And, mm-hmm. and I, they're doing it right. They're doing it scientifically. They have they have the weather to do it. They have the property to do it. And uh, I, I, they actually hired away uh, the the gentleman uh, Trent Frazier, who is oh. uh, who was in, involved with Volcan de Mi Tierra. Okay. He was he was working for Louis Vuitton, that owned the brand. Uh, he now works for um, uh, I forget what the name of the company is. It's a, the biggest distiller in Australia. Um, they lured him away, and and he is spearheading that Australian agave spirit. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot about Australian agave spirits, a lot. It's, I discuss it in the book. It's uh, yeah. a lot of the groundwork is, is in the book. And now I'm, I'm excited because I have had uh, a blue agave spirit from New Zealand that's mm-hmm. just, it's pristine. Wow. I have had um, a mezcal that came to us from... Um, yeah, I think no, it was South Africa, mm-hmm. and 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 it's made with a, a, a agave americana. And then I have had another one from Australia, but they're making it like a mezcal, and the wood that they're using is eucalyptus. Oh and wow! So the the final result is like a, a minty, you know, like yeah. like, like a like a I want to say vapor rub, but it's not like that. It's very gentle, you know, and it's like, oh my God! And you can't place it unless you, unless you know it's eucalyptus. You don't know what it is because it's like it's like mint, but it's not. And you know, all these, all these uh, uh, individuals, small batch, they're all doing their style as an homage to Mexico. 
but with a you know with a flavor all their own and and it's much wider than than just you know just the tequila so that to me i think the the next big um trend will be agave spirits blue agave spirits from australia wow uh, that's interesting I, I kinda I, I'm interested I'm interested to find out. I, I'm pretty sure we're on the short list to get samples when, when they're available. Uh but they're they're growing hectares and hectares of blue agave, uh scientifically. Uh so you know it, it's exciting to see where, where that's going because yeah. on on the other hand, you know, I, I'm I'm very much afraid that yeah. they need to pull the reins on on this growth. It's not you know, it, it, it isn't necessary. I think Marissa actually said something the other day. You know, she goes, this will probably be the year that 2022 will be the year that the tequila outsells vodka. And oh, I, yeah. And I, so I said to her directly or in a, on a DM, I said, God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Because it'll be a lot of crappy tequila. But yeah. I'm so excited to hear about the thing with um, with Australia. Um, I know there is a tradition and a, a cultural part of tequila, you know, being made in Mexico in a certain region, just like champagne, you know, it's made in a, in a certain region. But I mean, if you have the soil and the climate to grow the agave and produce a good product, then why not? You know, here we call it, we can't call it champagne, it's sparkling, you know, exactly. wine, but it's still good. Yeah, it's still great. Uh yeah. When I lived in New Mexico, they, they're actually some of the oldest uh, uh, grape vines that were brought over by the Spaniards are in New Mexico. And there's a big tradition of wine making and they make a sparkling wine, which mm -hmm. I, I have champagne. It's just outstanding. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, it, it, everybody in wine does it. I mean, every state has its own winery. You know, Texas did. Texas, yeah. got, they got big wine country out there. Um, uh, Even I had, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, and it doesn't surprise me that 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 you had a um, um, you had a palate already for when you know you said you didn't have a whole lot of experience with tequila, mm -hmm. but you had that palate for wine already because tequila, you know even in its denomination of origin has borrowed benefits from mm -hmm. Italian wine, French wine, you know, the spirits industry. Uh, that's that's how that's how the tequila industry built itself, and so uh, it doesn't surprise me that that you at least knew what you liked, and yeah. and, and now I knew a little bit, and I'm working on it. I'm working on on my palate because I tend to like, and I've told everybody this, you know, I like sweet. Yes, I was getting. I was going not to that. sir, not syrupy sweet. Like there are some tequilas that I've tasted, and I won't name any names, but that. It's, there's obviously manipulation happening with the juice because you can smell it, you can taste it, and then there's this like weird aftertaste. But that being said, some of the additives that they're using now, they're so concentrated and they're so advanced mm -hmm. that they're getting harder to detect. And usually the way that I could tell is because I start to get a headache. I don't feel good. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's a telltale sign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, are you nor when you get your headache? Do you normally get those with añejos, with the aged spirits, or do you get those with the with the unaged? Sometimes with unaged too. And so I researched that, and I know you know 
what I've been hearing is that the Blancos don't have, have additives in them, but I'm thinking that's not necessarily true. They may not have the color in there, but they can still have a sweetener and glycerin in there to give it that smoother feel. But even like the little, you know, some people say pour it in a pan and if it burns and it leaves a residue or, or if you rub it in your hands, you know, I used to do the hand rubbing thing, but even now the they've gotten so advanced with the additives that rubbing it in your hands is doesn't even work anymore. Yeah, it's not sticky. Yeah, it's not sticky. It used to be mm -hmm. it, would, if it was sticky. You'd know. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know if you've read my article on 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 my hack on that. Just if you want to know for sure, just don't wash your glass. Oh, yeah. Come back to it in the morning. And, and the reason I say that and I say it in the article, um, in fact, it's in the magazine. Uh, I believe we put it in the December or January issue. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I think it's January. But anyway, um, uh, what happens is, you know, th these are these additives are are produced by major companies that have influenced everything from the color and smell of our blueberry pop tarts uh, <laughs> to to your candles. You know what, what seafoam green is supposed to smell and look like. OK, right. And, and these are global international companies that have, and one of the biggest, uh, uh, one of the biggest clients of some of these companies is the tequila industry. They, there's one that I, I know offhand that has a uh, an office in Mexico City, and you know that's what their job is. And these these, they're now so highly concentrated. But the thing is, these are made by scientists, and when they make a sample, they put it on a glass slide. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so the best bet is to just don't wash your glassware, come back to it the next day. And if it still smells like there's something in it and you're not sure, um, maybe you should stop drinking that brand. That's a good idea. I, I will tell you, I um, had um, the opportunity to be part of a blind tasting panel for Tequila Match. Very humbling experience. Mm. I have so much to learn. And, you know, we were told now, we just want you to know, like, these are all very good tequilas. You know, Grover kind of fooled us, you know, so make sure not to rate them low. So I had it in my head, like, okay, they're all good. Probably none of these have additives, you know. So I did my little going back and forth to taste them. I was kind of in and out of these sinus and throat things that I've been having, but still, I thought I rated them pretty good. And when I got the results, I was like, wow, like I really have a lot to, to learn. <laughs> and I'll tell you that one, I won't say what it was, but it did have additives in it and I didn't rate it low. So. Yeah. No, you, you fall into that. You're, you fall into what the general public, I mean, the, it's yeah. mainstream, you know, they know that. Remember I told you these, these yeah. distributors and these companies, these, they, they know. Yeah. Uh, you know that they can you know that they can uh, uh attract more 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 flies with honey i guess I, I, you know right case but the, the 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 sad part is and i think you share this concern as well is that the up-and-coming drinkers are going to believe that what they're drinking this this stuff is really yeah. what it's supposed to taste like and it's not yeah that's my issue is i'm not it's not my place to tell somebody what to drink and what not to drink. That would be like me saying, 
if you don't only eat organic food and non-GMO food, then I don't want to go out to, to dinner with you. you <laughs> that would be, you know, that that's just, it should be everybody's personal choice. But I also feel that it's my right, just like when I go to buy something at the store, at the grocery store, to know what is in what I'm drinking. So if you're going to put that 1% of additives in there, I feel like it should be on the bottle that it's in there. Because number one, it's going to save me a headache and feeling sick, and it's going to save me money, you know? And then the people that don't care, they'll just get those tequilas, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, that's just my personal preference is that I try to support the brands that still make tequila authentically and traditionally and don't use additives. Do I have some in here that might have additives? Maybe, because I'm still learning. But I'm not going to learn unless I keep tasting tequilas. Exactly. And that's, that's I, yeah, I tell that to everybody that I, that I run across. I say, you know, give yourself a library. Because, yeah, uh -huh. I mean, look at, I can see your library behind you. You know, I, you, know you, you say you can tell a lot by the, by the, uh, of a person by the books on their shelf. It's <laughs> the same thing. You can tell a lot about you guys, you and your husband, uh, by, the, by the liquor on your shelves, you know. Yeah. And, and so I, I tell people it's always a good idea if you're going to be an educator, if you're going to, if you're or even a, just a connoisseur, you're just going to be a collector. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But always have a few bottles of diffuser made tequilas handy so yeah. you can you can either get rid of them to your friends who don't care or use them as reference right. and i have several i i keep them uh there we we did some tastings already for this year uh, of a couple that they have mm -hmm. and the sad part is they have wonderful backstories maybe they're owned by a chef who, who named her tequila after her grandmother who was known as the most beautiful woman in the world whatever the story that they you know, but right. the, the story, the marketing doesn't match the juice. The juice was horrendous. Yeah. And it's sad because maybe, maybe that person had, had all the good intentions. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I'm surprised about this particular brand because it is owned by a chef. I mean, she, <laughs> she should know better. But, but regardless, you know, yeah. if you can, if you can fool, you know, I mean, we, we were, I think Marissa, we're going to talk about Marissa's favorite uh, bashing is, is, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, not even, 818 not bad. Okay. Uh -huh. I haven't had the new juice. I had the uh -huh. old juice from La Cofradia. Um, it, that's a whole other, that's a whole other animal. Okay. Uh, the, no, this is, this is the, the Casa de Aragones bashing. That's her oh, second, yeah. it's her first favorite. You know, when it was introduced to the world, it was a great pairing tequila. You know, you got all these chefs and you got Martha Stewart and you got Oprah. And mm -hmm. you know, Oprah can't be wrong, right? Yeah. Martha Stewart, yeah, she's an ex-con, but she, she's not wrong. <laughs> but she doesn't cook, right? Well, you know, come to find out years later, now we understand that diffuser tequila mm -hmm. allows itself to be, to be aged, colored, flavored. Uh, if, if you've got a good barrel, it's going to it's gonna taste just like whatever barrel you put it in. And it's great for food pairing because it has no mm -hmm. it has no character. Uh, so, so, you know, if you could fool these, these, these top end chefs, I mean, they, they really threw money at these guys, all these right. chefs that endorsed it. Um, who's to say that, you know, that, that, it, that 
that you can't you can fool a lot of people all the time. You can, uh, and it's all about trying to appeal to the American market. And as Americans, we like things smooth and we like things sweet for the most part. Yes. A majority of the people. And I think that's what a lot of the distilleries are catering to. You know? But, I think, but would you agree with me that, that the, the public is changing? Oh, yeah. I think the public is changing. Um, I think people are getting a lot more educated and savvy about what they put in their bodies. So they're researching more, but I mean, I, every time I'm in a liquor store in the tequila aisle and I see people and they're all, you know, kind of say, excuse me, can I help you? And I help them choose. And I always tell them about, um, tequila match and they've never heard of it. Even the ones that like know a little bit about tequila. So I think the more we spread the word about, um, you know, apps like that, spread the word about you read the word about like all the people that are out there to educate us about tequila, the more educated people will start to be. But I think for the most part, if you're talking about the masses, people just don't know. I compare it to like, like I said, people that are into or organic lifestyle. It's a small number of people. We all know that there's bad stuff in food, but well, it's, we not, it, it's not such a small market anymore. Organic, no. organic food and even kosher food, kosher is a, a $1 billion industry. And it's because right. it's just, it's not just Jewish people. It's, it's you know, even pe like you said, it's, it's people who are concerned about what they put in their body. And if, it, if it's good enough for God, you know, it's good enough for me. So. <laughs> yeah. So there are people pay, paying attention. And I think that those numbers will grow. So yeah. all we can do is just like try to share information with people. Some will listen, some won't. And maybe eventually they will. Well, yeah, you know that that's always the the hope, and uh -huh. and you know that's I guess that's why I'm doing more of the of the networking and 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 watching you guys come along, you know, because because um, there are there aren't that many that started with us. I mean, we were mm -hmm. in. We started. Mm -hmm. I tell people we grew up with the internet, you know, because when mm -hmm. we started, when we started, we were dial up. It was just me and Alex. Right. And, uh, <laughs> And and now it's you know we're global now we're we're a global company you know we get right. hits Australia and Taiwan and countries I didn't even know existed that were interested you know in, in tequila yeah. uh, and 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 the industry should be proud of that too I, I'm not taking anything away from them I'm just yeah. saying pull the reins on it because I I'm just you know five years old a five year old plant a four year old a three year old they don't have that character so mm -hmm. the more the less the younger the plant, the less character it has, the more additives you've got to use to make it taste like what it's supposed to taste like. Why bother? And unfortunately, a lot of people think just because the bottle says that it's 100% agave, that that's all it is. So it's not just the diffuser tequilas that have additives in there. They have to have it in there because yeah. diffused tequila by itself would be terrible. But it's the like the 100% agave tequilas that are maybe harvested a little too young and they have to put stuff in there to make it taste decent. So that's the de the deceiving part that I'm not a fan of. Is like the misleading people. What I found is that, uh, and you you touched on this just a, a few minutes ago. You said that the American public likes things sweet and smooth. Mm -hmm. And and the thing is, when we when we 
came up with the course, when Lisa and I came up with the Cotador course, I, I wanted to stay away from those descriptors because David mm -hmm. Searle said this to me years and years ago. David Searle, who has a Siembra Azul and Siembra Valles, mm -hmm. uh, he's done so much for the industry to bring more craft tequilas out there. Um, he said to me years ago, he said, there are two words that shouldn't be in the same sentence, and that's smooth and tequila. <laughs> and so yeah. when it comes, and, and the reason people say it is because, as you said, they don't have the descriptors. Right. You know, I love when I do the teachings, because when, when I do tastings and teachings and instruction, when people come up with their own descriptors, because that makes it more valid for them. They own it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it when you read some of these tasting notes, like wine tasting notes are notorious for being snobbish. You know what yeah. I mean? It tastes like <laughs> It tastes like caviar farmed in, you know, in, 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 in Siberia. I don't know. So, so you know, I, I remember one time I conducted a tasting. I was living in Albuquerque, and, and it was at my home. And we were doing tastings of, of, of a full flight of several brands. And one of these, we came to Añejos, and, and uh, a, a husband of a, of a lady I knew said, wow, he says, this reminds me of... of my grandmother's lilac bush, you know, because he could smell it. And he oh, just, wow. just see him go into that state because there, because there's nothing there's there's a couple of, uh, of things that are that are closely paired with memory. And mm -hmm. that's taste, you know, flavor and scent and smell. Yes. The companies that make these Beautiful perfumes. I mean, you can you can get the most you know like a Joe Malone perfume. Right. These, these things are beautiful. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, are there candles or whatever? These, the, these are made by chemists. Yes. You know, and and they're they're produced to create a feeling, mm -hmm. or to inv to invoke or evoke a memory. And and so to see someone go into that, you know, tasting a real tequila, that was fun, you know, because yeah. that's his descriptor now. He owns that. And right. that's why I, I tell people, you know, smooth. Bite's a bite. It's not a bite. It's called a finish. Right. A finish. And some tequilas don't have a finish, and that's okay. That's mm -hmm. all right. You know, some finishes are short. Some have, you know, the mescals have that long, warm yeah. fuzz, you know. So does a whiskey, for that matter. Yes. Now, uh, so you live in bourbon country, whiskey country. I do. And uh, so I've noticed that part of your bar is also bourbon and whiskey. And that's got to be your yes. husband's influence, right? Yeah. So the whole, I mean, I love bourbon and whiskey, too. I was talking to my mom about this, and I said, you know, what did you all drink? I remember growing up, like, parties and, like, all the, all the kids, the cousins, myself being one you know, just kind of being around all the parents that were having fun and dancing and they were drinking. I said, what did you drink? And she goes, we had tequila, whiskey, and beer. Because my dad loved whiskey. And I have this memory of when I was a little kid, probably like seven or eight, my dad had kind of a den set up in the garage. And I was out there and I saw like a glass of Coca-Cola with ice cubes in it. And he was inside the house or something. And so I was thirsty and I went over and I took a drink. And I liked it. It was like uh, whiskey and Coke. I don't know uh, what it, what kind of whiskey, but I liked it. And I was like, well, that tastes like different Coke, you know, but I liked it. And I told <laughs> my dad when he came out, I go, 
I just had a sip of your Coke. I go, that tastes so good. What kind of, you know, it's different. And he, you know, kind of got mad, but laughed too. Like, you're not supposed to drink that. But from that that point on, he never knew this, but whenever I would go into the garage and I would see it in there, I mean, it wasn't there anymore. Like, so I did like whiskeys and I think that's why I like Reposados and Añejos so much. But yes, so um, when we started the grow bar, this was our dining room and we never used it. And we just thought, you know, let's make it a bar. And we weren't even really like collecting a lot then. I mean, I had some tequilas and he had some bourbons, but then we went like to Kentucky and did like a little part of the bourbon trail thing. And yeah. pretty soon we like had all these bourbons and whiskeys and then we started getting gins and rums. And so, yeah, so one whole side is whiskey, one is tequila. There's definitely more tequila than whiskeys and bourbons now. <laughs> some rum, some gin. Um, I think we might have like one or two vodkas, but we're not big vodka people. But yeah, so Tennessee definitely is bourbon country. And one of the things I would do when I was a rep um, is I would be a little sneaky. I would um, go into bars. And if there weren't a lot of people in there and I saw like guys at the bar drinking bourbon, I would ask the bartender if it would be all right if I sampled them on Añejo and Extra Añejo Tequila. And they would say, sure. I don't think they were really supposed to let me, but they let me. And I would always tell them, hey, you guys want to try a new um, bourbon? And they'd be like, sure. So I'd pour it and they'd taste it and they would be like, damn, this is good, girl. Like, what is this? We've never had any bourbon like this. Like, where is it from? And I'd say, well, that's because it's tequila. And they'd be like, oh, you know, so. But it it is very similar because of the way that it's aged in those barrels and most tequilas, I believe, are aged in whiskey barrels. That's like the majority of them. I know now they're, you know, they're doing wine, cognac, rum barrels, all different kinds of barrels, sherry casks. Um, but yeah, it's it's very similar in taste to like the aged tequilas. I, I tell my tasters when I whenever I do a tasting with them, depending on the brand, because mm -hmm. my job when, when I do a lot of the solicitations for, for samples, Mm -hmm. uh, I do a lot of matchmaking. I, I figure out which one of the guys, and I'm still waiting for girls to finish <laughs> the class. Yes. Been, Lisa and I have been looking for female catadores mm -hmm. for, for eight years, nine years. We really have, seriously. I'm working and, on it. I'm getting there. No, well, take, you know, <laughs> it's a self-paced course. Take your time. But there's another, there's another lady, uh, another, um, uh, for lack of a better word, another influencer. Uh -huh. uh, that has been really good. I'm so impressed with her homework and the way that, you know, she's very conscientious, but, but she's also yeah. having fun. I mean, you know, she's got a family, yeah. she's, you know, she's going on a vacation and whatever. And that's right. why it's a self-paced course. But I, uh, I do a lot of matchmaking with these guys. I, 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 I go, let's see who's this. This is, if I know enough about the information about where it's coming from, Mm -hmm. we've had it before, we've had another brand from that distillery or, or whatever, then I make sure that, you know, if this one is going to be more bourbon forward, then I've got my I got a taster in Ohio. Uh, mm -hmm. If it's, it's uh, if I'm doing more mezcals and sotols, I've got one in Arizona that we're, you know, because some of these uh, some of these things aren't even available in the U.S. I mean, they can mm -hmm. they, they bring them across the border and then they mail them to us, and, yes. which is really neat for us because we get stuff that's not even you know, uh, yes, and sotol and. Um, See, Sotol and some mezcals are really popular now in Arizona, which and Bacanoras for that matter. Yeah. 
So, so it's been fun, you know, but the reason I do that is because I know that they'll have a baseline for, for the tasting, uh, especially my, my whiskey guys. I have one in the UK who's a big whiskey and cigar guy. As a matter of fact, the guy in Ohio was a big cigar guy too. Uh-huh. But I want to, I want to touch on that with you and your, uh, with you in a second. Okay. But, um, so the reason I do that is because I know that I'm going to learn something from the stuff he's picking out that's more whiskey and bourbon because he knows he understands that I, I don't have a I don't have a knowledge. All I do is agave spirits. That's mm-hmm. I got my hands full and all that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to I, I mean uh, my folks were from Central America, so the only booze we had in the house was rum, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't Bacardi. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um but you know so I, I have a very small uh, knowledge base on that I, probably much more than the normal because of the barrels that they're using yeah. you know uh, and that sort of thing and and you know french oak and sherry and all that stuff and even scotch barrels um but i know that i'll get a better review from the guy who's got more of an experience with the baseline and then i'll pick something up from him so yeah. that that's how i like doing it and i think i i mentioned to you in one of your homework assignments you mentioned that that one uh, t- blind tasting you did, but yes. nothing ups your game when you do a blind tasting with a room full of other people. Um, this the remote tastings are are tough to do, mm-hmm. uh, but when you're in a room full of of people, and and you know that they know what they're doing, your game goes right up. You watch what everybody else is doing, and yeah. some of, some of my best moments as a as a taster, as a senior taster now. Uh, has been watching other people who, who are famous. Uh, you know, when, mm-hmm. when I did, uh, the last time I judged anything in person was, it was Spirits of Mexico. Um, and, you know, I had, I, I had uh, brand reps who were famous, you know, sitting across from me and three catadores who were certified, you know, across from me. And I had Jack Robitello who's, who, who, you know, passed away recently. And, you know, you had all these senior people who, who had been around for it. Even Zach from, from Old Town Tequila was sitting there. Oh, I, wow. I, I know exactly where his palate lies, you know, because yeah. I watched him. I, I watched how, how they, they, they reacted to the same juices that we, we were doing. And so nothing ups your game. If you can get in on a, um, on a tasting, as a matter of fact, we, we have been asked uh, this, I think it's August this year, uh, to be judges for the uh, San Diego Spirits Festival. Yeah, I, I think Lisa talked to us about that. Yeah, uh, we're going to have several of our guys who are based in LA, myself, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully Rick, uh, who, who's in San Diego, believe it or not. And so it'll be the biggest contingent of, of us under one roof at the same time. Oh, that's amazing. And because, you know, a lot of what we've done has been remote. Uh, but I know Rick. I mean, the last time I went, I saw Rick, you know, we 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 drank through his library. You know, um, Rick is Lisa's brother. Oh, and, okay. And um, uh, if you know who Rick Levy is, he he's one of our tasters in San Diego. And so, uh, but it'll be nice because I I love I I did a uh, some tastings with Alex at his home right before the the he we were doing the last of the. 2021 brands of promise mm-hmm. and, and i missed that because it was so much fun to do it together you know you try not to influence each other but you pick stuff out you know and and 
I, I we told Liz Edwards that we only I only wanted to do tequila. I know mm -hmm. Alex does a lot of cocktails because he's a, mm -hmm. that's a side gig. He likes doing cocktails, and maybe you do too. Yeah. So that might be, uh, you know, if you're interested and you want to make a trip to San Diego, let's let Lisa know because, yeah. you know, the the with all of us in our social media, we can really rock that that whole that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be hopefully by then we'll have like our fourth or fifth booster. I don't know. <laughs> It'll That'd be, be great. You know, now, we, did, you go, did you do the um, L.A. Tequila Fest? I I didn't for other reasons. Uh, okay. Well, you know, just yeah. just I, I personally I didn't think it was safe enough to do that. And yeah. in fact, I know that the San Diego Spirits Festival took place last year, and I still thought that was August was too early. Mm -hmm. And it turned out we were, you know, I guess in hindsight we were right. Mm -hmm. But I I feel this year would be a little safer, a little bit better. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to it because I really miss, you know, you know, this business is a face-to-face -face business, you know? Oh, and yeah. I said the same thing to Jill Lawton when, when I interviewed her. I, and, you know, this is very much a person-to-person -person business. Mm -hmm. um, and it was fun to talk with her and talk with you because I got two, two different perspectives uh, from, from, you know, somebody who's, who's been doing this a little bit longer than, mm -hmm. than me. The younger the younger tasters um cigars yes Were, are you naturally attracted to cigars is that something you picked up with your husband well um i'm a hairdresser and so in nashville i had a client who worked for a big cigar company cao oh okay. he, he did like all of their marketing and um at one point, CAO, I think they got bought by somebody and they moved their headquarters out of state to Virginia or somewhere. And so a lot of the people didn't want to go. So my friend, um, John Hubber, and um, another one of the guys there, um, Mike Condor, started Crowned Head Cigars. Mm. So when I, when I first started doing John's hair, he would just, I told him that my sister, the one that makes wine in Napa, and her husband loved cigars. And so like the next day he said, he like sent them all these cigars. He asked it for wow. address. He's an awesome guy, awesome guy. And so then he started bringing me cigars. And then he and Mike left CAO and started Crowned Heads. And so then he started giving me the Crown Heads. And then um, my husband and I just started smoking those and enjoyed them. So I don't know as much about cigars as my husband does. He's been smoking them for like 20 years or over 20 years. But um, I just, you know, he'll hand me something and I'll either like it or I won't. But I will say that I, I pretty, there aren't any crown heads that I don't like. <laughs> I haven't had one I don't like yet. And I like Drew Estate. I like some of their cigars too. I love and, guys. Um, and of course, because I have the sweet tooth, I, sometimes I like, you know, the Java flavored or whatever. Um, I, I like those. So I like their blondies. Those are, those are my favorite. Oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're short little, you know, like they're infused with incense and it's just, they, they smell lovely. Yeah. Um, so I know we've gone a little bit over an hour, but I, I wanted to ask you, it's like that time flies with you. I mean, it's I, like, thank this, you. Is, well, this is fun. I'm a hairdresser. I like to talk. <laughs> okay, so so here's a here's a question for you. Do you cut your own hair? 
Um, sometimes I do trim it and color it myself, but if it's the, like the back, I have to have my husband do that for me. Usually I have a girlfriend, she's a hairstylist too, and we do each other's, but you know, during COVID, I kind of had to learn how to fend for myself. <laughs> <laughs> what? So do you cut your husband's hair? I do. Do you trim his beard? Uh, no, he won't let me trim his beard. He's <laughs> like... I'll trim my own beard. I'm like, okay. So Ooh. sometimes if I see like a little hair sticking out or something, I'll, I'll trim it. So. Now, you said you're a hairdresser. So did you work exclusively in women's salons or do you do men and women? I do men and women. When I first moved to Nashville, um, I was, you know, just trying to build a clientele. So I did, I ended up doing a lot of like video, like stuff for music videos or like, low budget movies or whatever I could just to meet people and work with different photographers and film people. And then I built my clientele and I really didn't enjoy the film stuff because it was a lot of, it paid really well, but it wasn't creative. Like I ended up just standing around a lot all day because I would do hair and makeup. So oh, okay. um, yeah, so I prefer just like working in my own space. So I had a little, a studio with, um, four girls and then it changed two of them moved so then it was just another girl and I for the last 10 years and then when COVID happened um our building sold so then I moved right around the corner I got lucky I didn't have to move far and I just rent like a space in a building with other stylists so I, we okay. each have our own space yeah that's cool that's mm -hmm. cool yeah uh, uh let's see what else did I okay um so now that you've been around these the, the tequila industry for a while now. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to name some of your favorites? I have so many favorites. Um, I love um, probably one of the first ones that I enjoyed um, was uh, I think Fuente Seca was one of the first ones besides anything Meli Barajas produced. Like that was one of the first ones. Um, I love like Siete Leguas as a go-to. I'm a big fan of, you know, anything Melly makes. I really enjoy um, Lisa Elovich's One With Life. I love- She just, she just had her, uh, her, her, her product placement that, that uh, I watched yes. the movie last night and she was, wow, that, was, that must've been a shock for her to have that, that product placement. That was really cool. It was, she didn't even really know it was gonna happen, she said. But I, I love the Blanco, I love the Extra Añejo. I'm a huge fan of Tears and Rey Sol. If Rey Sol wasn't so expensive, I would buy it a lot more often. So I just like do little, you know, little pours of it, but I do yeah. drink it a lot. So. <laughs> so, yeah, and I love like El Piqueleño. I just tried Wild Common for the first time, um, Cabal. I'm a musician. I yes. love their tequila. So there's so many. It's so hard to pick one. The joven that um, um, Cascanes makes. I hear that's very good. Yep. So good. I highly recommend it. So there's a lot of good ones. It almost it's almost like every day I might have a new favorite tequila because it just depends on my mood. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Are you? Are you? Um, if, if let's say I let's say I would come into your salon and you looked at my hair and you said, "What would you recommend that I do with my hair?" Because I'm I'm looking for a new look. I, I I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready to go all Jason Statham, but you know yeah. I don't. 
because I, I barely have time to put my face in front of a razor. So it's like, you know. Well, just knowing your lifestyle and what you do for a living, I think, because you have long hair, right? It's back in a ponytail. Well, yeah, it's in a ponytail. What's left of it, yeah. Yeah, like that's that's your lifestyle. It's easy. You don't have to mess with it. You can put it back in a ponytail. But I would also say that when it's in a ponytail, like when I'm looking at you right now, yeah, I don't really know the ponytails back there. So what's the point of having it? Oh, good question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if I turn sideways and grab yeah. a box. And I so I would say it's really damaged in the back anyway. You don't want to see that. <laughs> I, you know what I would say? Just because nothing is permanent, nothing is forever. I'm all about like trying new things, like trying new tequilas. So I probably would say, you know, if you're up for it, you've got a really nice face and bone structure. You really don't need the ponytail back there. So I would just cut it and make it short in the back. Oh. Have it for a while. If you don't like it, let it grow and it'll grow back healthier. Cause once your hair is long and it's been there for a while, it just keeps, continues to get damaged. So, yeah. you know, like get rid of it and then just let it grow back. It's that's the great thing about hair. I tell people it's a clip on. Yeah. Well, not my hair. <laughs> it won't grow back. It's all gone. Uh, what else am I, I, I want to ask you something else. Um, uh, if, okay. If, if you had one thing to tell people before we mm -hmm. sign off about, about tequila, what would you say to them? What would you advise a, a, a somebody who wants to know what the buzz is all about? You know, uh, is coming from another, another direction. I would tell them like tequila to me, tequila, why, like why it's the spirit that, that I prefer is just because there's a lot of um, tradition behind it. Um, there is a lot of history behind it that I really, really like. So I would probably tell somebody to read up on that. I would tell somebody it has a lot of health benefits. It's one of the healthier spirits if you are going to consume spirits in moderation. And there's a lot of players behind it. You know, you have like the farmers, the jimadores that harvest it, the people that cook it, the people that make the bottles. There's a lot of work that goes into some of these bottles. They're works of art. And to me, like the juice is art. I always say like, it's like symphony in a bottle. And there's like a lot of players that are in that bottle representing like what you're drinking. So I, I would just tell people to like research the history of tequila and where it comes from. And I would also tell them just, you know, drink more tequila, like drink as many different tequilas as you can. So you learn to understand what you like. That would be my advice to somebody. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, let me ask you one, one last question. And this is, this is more from my research because I, I'm, I'm about ready to embark on, a, on another book. Mm -hmm. uh, when you taste a tequila, Let's, let's, let's see if you can refer back to when you were doing these blind and mm -hmm. you had no idea which, mm -hmm. which brand was what. Mm -hmm. Can you feel, is there a feeling other than the scent and the smell and the look, is mm -hmm. there an additional feeling that you feel inside when you, when you, when, when you taste a tequila you approve of? Yeah. It's like, it's almost like an endorphin, like sort of like a tingling, like, wow, like your taste buds, you know, it just, yeah, it definitely is just like a really good feeling. And I think that's what happens. Like 
when you were talking about perfumes, mm -hmm. when you take a tequila and you swirl it around and you smell it, that smell either makes you feel good or it makes you not feel good. And when it's good, it's just like this tingly good feeling. That's the best way I could explain it. You know? So did you, when you were doing those blind tastings, did you have any of those feelings? Yes. There were some that, that like I smelled and it's just like, it wasn't appealing. And so I would maybe just feel like that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> it's like the opposite okay. of happy, you know, it doesn't. Um, yeah. And then there were others that it was just like, wow, like my senses and everything were just like, wow, boom, you know? Um, so definitely, I think that has a lot to do with it. But, okay. you know, not knowing what they were was, it was a very difficult task. Yeah. Because there was no hype behind anything. No. Yeah, no bottle, nothing to look at, you know. No. No, no, ref, no form of reference. Yeah. So, yeah. That, well, you know, Heidi, we could, we could go on for another couple hours. But we we, we you know, could. Why don't we save this? Uh, first of all, again, repeat, um, your, your Instagram is called? La Tequila Mamacita. Okay, you can find her on Instagram. And, and Facebook. You, and you, yeah, on Facebook. Uh -huh. um, and you're also part of the Techie Ladies, right? Yeah, and that's and, just at the Techie Ladies. So T-E-Q-U-I Ladies. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. And and those are the, uh, you and your other cohorts, uh, co-hosts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. um, and we hope to have the other two uh, on, on, on our open bar. I, I want to thank you for being with us in open bar. I'm Mike Morales here in Southern California. If you're watching and listening to us, uh, if you're watching on, on Instagram, well, on, I don't know if on Instagram, <laughs> but yeah, on YouTube, hit the notification bell, subscribe, give us a like because it helps us on the algorithm. Um, we have been talking and having a good time uh, listening to Heidi Anderson, who is the Tequila Mamacita. And uh, thanks for being here because you're gonna you're gonna be back here shortly. We're gonna. Oh, thank you for having me. I I'm I'm just so glad that I finally got to talk to you face to face after oh, all yeah. of these years. So thank you. Well, thank you for for being one of our one of our avid readers. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, and, and say hi to your husband for us. Uh, I will. That's our our take on open bar. But uh, stick with us because we'll have plenty of these interviews coming up shortly all throughout 2022. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see you guys uh, out in person. Um, you know, the public who's watching us and, and, and you and me, uh, you know, sometime this year, maybe, who knows, maybe August. We'll see. Uh, we'll but see. thanks again. They, You're yeah. Welcome. Thanks again for watching Open Bar for being here with us. And we will talk with you soon. Salud.